die. <laughs> That's a good start. We should <laughs> don't cut this part, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like you know one of those like bloopers like, at the end, like. Most... I, I actually I love putting these in because they really they give you the sense of reality you know like this is what's going on before we start recording everybody yes. like this is what's happening just so you know okay let's do it hi everybody and welcome to the five people on the go the show that's all about tools and approaches for success from the most brilliant people my name is Meital Zavi, I'm your host, and today we have Konstantin Kogan. He is the co-founder of Bullperks. He is an author, apparently, which is really cool, an entrepreneur, and in total, just a really fun person, I gotta say. So, hi, how are you? Hi, Mitar. I'm great. Thank you for having me. And, uh, Thank you for coming. Yeah, just one addition. I was a co-founder of Bullperks and GameSpot, so there's okay. a second company as well. Um, I'm amazing, and it's first of all, glad to be on your show. I, I viewed you. a lot of previous shows, and they're amazing. So, yeah, let's have some fun today. Yes, absolutely. I'm glad you're here. And I'm extremely glad you're here, because today we're going to talk about something that's considered an enigma for a lot of people around the business world which is NFTs. Now, I talk a lot about NFTs because I'm, I'm a really big fan of the crypto world and everything that it allows society. But I think that one of the biggest questions is when should you even consider like actually taking your business into the next step of the Web3 and decentralizing and everything related to it? And this is the question we're going to tackle today. So let's start from maybe giving a little bit of background for people that are not that familiar with this world. What is it? So yeah, I, I think we should start from the basics, right? So yeah. for me, the way I perceive NFTs is uh, it's a digital wrapper, right? So, uh, you know, the technical part of it, like it's a non-fungible token, like it, it, it doesn't invoke like any emotion in person, right? So it's mm -hmm. like very technical, like people think, oh, that's like some crypto for geeks, right? And exactly. not fun. Now, if you really go into it, like the NFT community is actually predominantly filled with artists, like, you know, people who are very creative and that's the way, the tool for them to express themselves. So, which is counterintuitive, like the people think, oh, this is like speculators or people who just like trade. It's actually not like, you know, there are people like that in the industry, but the most I would say interesting, like it's a subjective, obviously, um, connotation, but like I would say for me personally, the most interesting examples of beautiful and, and like really exciting NFTs were like presented by artists and big brands. So as, as we, if we define in a simplified words that it's a digital wrapper, so basically you can uh, create an NFT of anything you want. Mm -hmm. Now, we're sitting in a room here, like, we can create an NFT of this table, right? So the table will have, like, a physical representation, and we can create an NFT of the table, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you might say, well, like, Constantine, like, you're, you're crazy. Why would you create an NFT of a table? What's, what's the reason, right? Yeah, why should I need an NFT of the table? I have the table right here. Exactly. Now, 
on one hand, so this is one way to look at it, but then you think about our digital world right now, where during the COVID times, people were locked down in their homes and mm -hmm. they didn't have an opportunity to see each other for a year, let's say, right? Now, I might know that in, in your apartment, you have this amazing table, but you know what? I, I can no longer touch it. I can no longer feel it. I can no longer relate to it in, in the real world. Mm -hmm. So. By having a digital representation, it may, may give me some of memorabilia, like, you know, or something like that can bring you back to this memory and I can share it with others. So it's not just a picture, mm -hmm. what's important to understand. It's an ability to somehow bring a value, the digital value to this object, potentially, right? You can create it like with no object. They can be only a digital representation. But let's imagine we combine with real world and then if I want to go further and I want to show off that I have actually an NFT that has a direct uh, connection to this table, I can put it in my avatar and let's say nowadays in Twitter, mm -hmm. which will showcase that I'm an owner of a unique table. And I'll imagine this table is from, I don't know, 18th century, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it actually has like some value, value yeah. right? It's antique, right? It's okay. A, and it, let's say, costs like $10,000. Mm -hmm. Now, before, I might tell it to a few of my friends, right? So they would know, okay, well, he has this amazing table. They come to my house. They sit like, wow. Well, like, let's say the pool of people who would know about it is like 100 people. Mm -hmm. And that's all. That's a limited pool of people. And if I'm lucky, maybe I get to Forbes like 30 under 30, and then they write about me. Some more people will know about it. But it, it's, it's still a limited pool, right, of people. Mm -hmm. Now... The NFT gives you an opportunity to transfer this information to, in a way, like to make you famous for having something unique. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying this is the main application, but I'm saying like one of the applications that nowadays. Yeah, it sounds it. like kind of a digital flexing kind of thing. In a way. Okay. Now, I'm not saying like this is the most important. I want to be also very, very open about it because the yeah. PFP, uh, how it started, like the avatar part of it, right? Where people mm -hmm. just creating those avatars of monkeys or avatars of gremlins or anything, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a concept of a private club. Now, at the end of the uh, tunnel, like, you can think about it like, there's not, not re it's not only about art itself. It's about the unique um, access. Mm -hmm. And unique access of opportunity, unique access of information, unique uh, gathering of people mm -hmm. who know something that nobody else is, like, you know, knows and who understand cultural trends. And we think, wow, this is like, uh, I mean, it's weird or, or something like uh, uh, unexpected. But if we go back a little bit in time, that's the, all those private clubs already existed. Mm -hmm. The reason why in art, for example, it's a, it's a very clear parallel with NFTs, why one picture has a cost of $30 million dollars and another picture is like $3,000. Yeah. Because the picture that is, uh, let's say, somewhere in Guggenheim Museum, right, and is well-respected mm -hmm. by most famous, like, art uh, dealers and collectors, and it actually has a reputation and it has value, it has a transactional value, it's just because this is, this is how they build the value of this asset. Mm -hmm. With NFTs, it's also very similar structure, but like it's even more global. It's even more decentralized. You don't have to be a famous artist. You can be you. You can just paint something. And if the community around you support it, it becomes very big. Okay. But like this kind of example, 
some people can relate to it, but I know many people around the world that are not that fans of art and definitely not collectors. And like the last thing they will think about is that I want uh, an image that's digital that I can't even like hang on the wall. So why those why should those people be interested in NFTs? It's a great question. Um, so obviously, you know, we, we have only two cycles that the, the we, NFT as a, as a as a novelty, like as something new that appeared on a blockchain technology that, you know, very different from speculative token, right? It, it, it appeared like very recently. What I mean by two cycles is that like, you know, the experiments that we went through, like, you know, starting from crypto kitties, like, and then like board it now board it uh, ape club, right? It's, it's, there's not a lot of them. Like mm-hmm. there, it's becoming more and more, but we're talking about like global success experiences. There is only now coming out more and more collections. So that means there's a lot of way, a lot of means of experimentation. As I mentioned, why I want, I like the definition of digital wrapper, because you literally can create anything, like a collection of anything. And to give more examples why other groups of people might be interested, for example, Porsche recently released an amazing collection, mm-hmm. sold out like in, I think in one day, something like that. Like it was just like, so they provide clear value for the community of people who are already big fans of, this luxury like sport car right Mm -hmm. and you don't have to explain them why they should be like fans of porsche as a brand what you actually do you provide an additional value uh whether you embed like you know gifts like i don't know some kind of uh, merchandise like maybe a bag of porsche back or an opportunity to win uh like i don't know grand prix tour to monaco like you know with an nft like a Mm -hmm. mystery box right because Another example which I like to present for people who were collecting, uh, you know, baseball cards or any uh, board games, you know, Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. So not a lot of kids remember that, like, but when I used to buy them, those collections, you know, you get a pack and you actually don't know what's inside the pack. Mm-hmm. So that means you can get like common, you know, just a simple card as not, not a big value. Or you can get a rare card, which is actually super valuable because it's rare. Mm-hmm. Now, if you apply this principle to NFTs, any brand can be as creative as they want. They can create a unique experience for a person and to win it in, in this particular NFT as a, as a gift. So, and, and another example, which again might be controversial, but I still will present it, like Trump recently mm-hmm. issued his NFT collection. 44,000 NFTs sold out in two days. Each NFT was $100 worth. So you think about it, well, first of all, like some people hate him, love him, whatever. But what, what I think as a marketer, he was very smart about, he embedded the opportunity to win uh, 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 a golf experience with Trump mm-hmm. or a dinner with Trump. So it was not only about the, the technology or some innovation. It was about the marketing tool that presented his existing audience to somehow interact with him. Mm-hmm. And there are like I can give you five or ten more examples, but the gist of it is that like uh, it's literally a new tool to create value, to transfer value, and make it fun. Okay, so how is it different from any other raffle I can do online, or I don't know, uh, sending all my like just an email for everybody, like yeah, you are part of my membership now. So why NFTs? So, so that's also a great question. So if you think about it, like, you know, 
if we are doing it like like that, any company obviously can do raffle, right? And yeah, it's very it. simple. Yeah, but then it, it stays in their closed ecosystem. The beauty of NFT is that we're creating now a global market, which is interoperable and which is also can provide you an opportunity on a secondary market to buy or sell it on to somehow like have depreciation of it. Mm -hmm. So one of the best examples that is probably very clear to relate, especially in the United States, for example, air miles, right? Mm -hmm. So you get bonuses in air miles. Now they can live in a, in a, in a closed uh, silos, in closed ecosystems of Delta, United, you know, other Alaska Airlines, something. So they're not transferable. Mm -hmm. So you have 1,000 airlines in Delta, I have 1,000 in United. We cannot exchange them. We cannot sell them to each other. True. So, and that means that this, this exchange of value ends there. It's mm -hmm. only you and you who can use it, and that's all. So you get an actual ownership here. Yes. Not on, so first of all, it's unique ownership. It's an opportunity to provide the verification, like mm -hmm. the authenticity that this is unique uh, asset that's provided by a particular creator. Mm -hmm. So in addition, obviously, the creator gets royalties, so it's a benefit for creator to in perpetuity to get royalties, whether he's a music creator or an artist, right? Which is mm -hmm. another beautiful disintermediation if you think about it. Now, the third component, like you have a secondary market. So if I, for some reason, think that your unique Meitar NFT that you created, right? Mm -hmm. Today only costs $100, but I know you. I know you're a hustler. I know that like in five years, you do something great. And this unique collection, which I believe will appreciate five times. I will buy it from you today at 150 because I'm a hustler too. So I think I will resell it in 500, for $500, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a speculative approach. Yeah. And the second approach, I have an NFT to be part of Meitar Unique Club, mm -hmm. which you will issue with a limited edition of 1,000 NFTs. And that's all. There will never be more. I want to be in your club. So guess what? If I really respect you, if I really like you, and I want to have some benefits that you provide me, by owning this NFT, and I want to be in your club, guess what? I, I'm going to hold it just because for me, there is additional value. It's not only about the money. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. But I'm thinking, you gave a few examples before. You talked about Trump, you talked about Porsche, which are big brands. They have a really big following. So when is it actually worth it to do an NFT collection? Because I'm sure it's not a cheap process either, process either. It's like lawyers and everything, it's pretty complicated. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really depends like who and how you create it. But yeah, it's a good, great question because again, it depends like who are we talking about? Like if it's a brand, it's a separate story because you have to talk about like IP because for example, if I want to create right now a Disney collection, mm -hmm. I need to ask Disney for permission to use their intellectual property, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's not just like that easy. Yeah. So if I'm not doing that, they will sue me and I'll, I'll be in trouble. So you're correct. You have legal and compliance challenges here. Now, if I'm creating my own collection, it makes sense if I have a good following, right? As you mentioned, for example, an example of whatever Trump or Paris Hilton or anyone who's already known, it's mm -hmm. easy for them. It's almost like upsell. Now, in, in a case that I have only like, say, thousand followers and it's... It might be challenging to create to have like create a ten thousand collection. I might not just you know sell out. So what I do, I can create a limited edition, like you know, or maybe one or two. Test the waters, see if the community loves it. 
And for that, I don't need a lot of money. I can mint it for like, you know, um, few, you know, few dollars, right? You know, depending on Ethereum price right now are very also low. So a lot of the NFTs are minting on Ethereum network. Um, so you pay Ethereum as a small gas fee. Think about it as a commission yeah. just, to, just to create them. Now then you embed any visual, whether it's 2D or 3D, put it on the famous, fam one of the most like top marketplaces, and, and then you hope for the best, or you do some extra efforts. If you know and understand marketing, then you go to communities and present it mm -hmm. and wait for an honest feedback. So it's, it always depends, like, uh, obviously, what is the goal? If the goal is actually is to make money as a brand, it's one uh, component which you, like, you know, which and different small things that you have to take into account to structure it. And you're correct. It might take hundreds of thousands of dollars just to prepare this collection. Mm -hmm. Just to yeah. give you an example, like it's one one thing is to like you just create it like with your app, like any picture, mm -hmm. and you put it on the marketplace. Now, every day millions of NFTs are being minted, so you're just going to be lost in the in the ocean, in the wilderness. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you're uh, if you're experienced marketer and you understand, okay, so what I have to do to stand out. Mm -hmm. How do I target my audience so that they will actually like see it, find it, and, and buy it? Then you think about different components. You create, okay, what's the number? How, what is my distribution channel? What is the number of users I can reach organically? And what is the number of users I need to reach? Let's say I want to reach like an, another million people with mm -hmm. my ads. So I need to know where they reside. Most of the NFT users are actually not in our traditional networks. They're not on Facebook. They're mm -hmm. in Discord. Yeah. They're in Twitter. And a lot of people not very familiar with those platforms. Even mm -hmm. though they say, well, okay, well, Twitter is like 400 million uh, people, like platform social network. I mean, I, you know, I, I know a lot of folks who are just not big fans of Twitter. Just They just don't know how to operate there. And they, they know, don't know how to market there on Twitter. They, Discord is a nightmare for them. They're like saying, this is like something for gamers. Oh my God, like, I, it's just like, it's too much information. Mm -hmm. So... Obviously, then you go to professional marketing companies who specialize on how to promote specifically in, the, in those channels. So this is the marketing aspect. We touched legal and compliance, marketing, then you have a technical layer. Mm -hmm. Obviously, on a technical layer, you need to mint them, right? If you are not a developer yourself, you probably want to think about hiring people who know how to build NFTs on ERC-721, you know, or in this, uh, ARC 1150. So, so there's different protocols. Again, not to bore you with technical side of yeah. things. Just imagine those are like um, different protocols in blockchain and you pick according to what, what your needs are. Mm -hmm. And then you think about it like, okay, so I am creating like, one is easy. Now, if you're creating, let's say even a thousand, all of them have unique metadata. All of them are, has to have unique ID and they have to have different properties. Mm -hmm. Like in Board Ape Club, like, you know, those monkeys, people think, oh, they're almost all the same. They're actually not. There are like multiple properties, seven or eight properties that are different. Mm -hmm. And according to those um, uniqueness of those properties, you can have like a hat that is only like 2% of the collection. Yeah. The, 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 the rarity of the item is defined mm -hmm. like that. So, but people who are users, they see in the end product. You as a creator have to think it through. So you have to become an architect of like, of a club or a game or, or a community, a society. 
it's not an easy job. It requires a lot of thinking, like a lot of anticipation and moving forward. Like how, how would people appreciate it? And then when they buy it the first time, what's going to happen? Like what will incentivize them to, to share it the second time? What will they do? What's going to be utility of this NFT besides the fact that they bought it and they're in my club? Mm-hmm. Does it provide them access to my uh, private club, physical one? Or that, that, does it provide them access to some unique information that nobody has access to? And it's like a gated Discord um, chat, you mm. know? So there are, there are a lot of questions which are connected to this. So you gave a pretty interesting example about the club because I got to talk to a lot of people about it. And one of the things that I hear the most is that, well, it's not worth it for me to create a club with NFTs. It's better to have some sort of subscription and then I get a monthly pay instead of one-time fee. So what is your opinion on that? I think if that's their opinion, they're correct. You know, it's like any, like, listen, any entrepreneur, like, he needs to know their audience. And I think there's nobody else who knows better their audience than them. Like, so for a lot of clubs, obviously, that's, it's, the subscription model is more, you know, more interesting. Now, on the other hand, if you think about it, the NFT gives you a very different narrative, right? Because if you create a club where there's only, let's say, 100 members, mm-hmm. just to, be a, to give you a radical example, right? But the demand is 1,000 members. Mm-hmm. So naturally, the, the price of an NFT will grow. Because think about it, like you, you have an opportunity to actually, you bought it for, let's say, $1,000. And now somebody's offering you $10,000 just to get in. You can resell it. With a subscription model at any club in the world, well, maybe maybe I'm missing, maybe there are some secondary closed market, like, but not that I know of. Well, I, not legal anyway. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And I research it a lot and not legal yet. So, yeah. so you cannot resell it. It's like a very individual thing. Like, you know, we either in the club or you're not. Simple, mm-hmm. pure and clean. Now, in, in the concept of like, creating this FOMO, like this fear of missing out in, the, in the, our world, there are a lot of different strategies that you can apply. Mm-hmm. And those are not the only incentives, obviously, but I'm just saying that one of them is just like, you, you're becoming part of something unique. And you know that right now, I, I looked at the CryptoPunks, for example, you know that there's not a single one are for sale. Really? Yes. None? None. So I, 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 and I looked at the price. We're talking about the price, which is now with the ETH price, it's probably we're talking about $80,000 to $100,000. Not okay. a single for sale. Okay. So I, a lot of people I know, probably including me, will probably love to buy them, mm-hmm. but there's none for sale. So guess what? That means that potentially, I'm not saying it's not an investment advice, but potentially the price will appreciate because mm-hmm. those are like, as we call it, like unique. OG, you know, like... Um, yeah, this is more like a collectible piece. Yeah, it's, it's like a collect- the first collection. Well, not the first, but the first known one, I guess. Yeah, and, and then, yeah. So, so, so think about it. If you look at it from this perspective, it's, it's a very, very different logic. It's, it, it's more relatable to the art, as we mentioned before, mm-hmm. where a piece of art in a unique, unique piece, right, mm-hmm. is so rare that people will fight for it. Okay. So I want to go back a little bit because I feel like you and I, we talk the same language. We know the field. We've been through a lot. Uh, but I feel like some people that are watching this will still have some difficulties to understand, like, 
when should they even consider it? Because we talked about having a big brand. We talked about having a following. We talked about the fact that you will need uh, legal, you will need um, tech, you will need uh, marketing. So all of these need to be considered like in what you're going to pay for it. What can you gain from it? Especially since we're talking about something that is so uh, volatile. So, Well, what can you gain from it? Like, obviously... Yeah, like in the end, when is it worth it? it see, it's a, there's no answer that will, be, will fit all the participants. So obviously for a big brand, that's one answer. For, for an individual, like an influencer or mm -hmm. for a small business, those are three different case studies, right? So, so I would go like, you know, so obviously for a big brand, it's an upsell in a nutshell. Very easy. Makes mm -hmm. sense. Like, obviously then depends which industry you are. Like art and fashion are like no-brainer. Like literally like amazing. Anything that is like gaming, amazing also. Like, you know, for example, anything related to like um, retail investors, right? You know, and massive brands where they already have existing following. I think there are a lot of uh, place for creativity there. I'm not saying that every single brand like is applicable for that. Like, you know, government companies probably not really. Well, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, those uh, retail consumer brands easily. Yeah, I think I would buy an NFT of Costco. Yeah, like, I mean, exactly. Think about it. Like, and and there's so many things you can embed into it. Mm -hmm. Like, I we we just launched a, a campaign oh. of a uh, uh, where an NFT actually helped them to get. Uh, um, a bag of a one fancy brand, not to give them, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. shout out, but like, you know, so that's, that was very logical, right? So not only the, the, there's a scarcity for getting the NFT and get into the club, but also you can get a physical product. So it makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's like the logic of sweepstakes, right? Or giveaways. Um, now, if we're talking about the small brands, honestly, it's case by case. Not always it's, it's smart. To be honest, to, to be clear, because you know, it's sometimes the preparation, the amount of money you spend on it, like it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And the, what's more important, the ethos of the company is not there. To give an example, the company is trading agricultural products or fertilizers. Like, I'm, I'm not sure they need it. And it's, you know, I get it. Yeah. So, or spare parts. Uh, I don't know. It's it's. But if you are, let's say, a boutique store that is like, I don't know, selling like luxury cosmetics right and you're still a small business mm -hmm. but you can you can you can create some fun opportunities like a new year we're close to new year here in the united states which is big right mm -hmm. you can create some kind of giveaway in a form of nft yeah now might not be relevant for you if you actually know that your audience is 99% are 50 plus you know like and you know not super tech savvy Mm -hmm. But if you know that your audience is young and they're like, let's say, millennials and young and Gen Z, like, you know, and you actually understand that, oh, wow, these guys all know how to use, you know, mobile phone, mobile mm -hmm. devices. They, let's say 44% of them already own a crypto wallet, most likely. And then a lot of them actually are already into this. I would consider it as an experiment. Okay. But what do you think about all the statements that crypto is dead, it's not going to happen, NFT is dead, everything is dead, everyone are dead. It's like, <laughs> you hear it everywhere. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm no longer that, like, even just, 
I'm not, I don't even care about those statements because I've been through, through eight years of my, probably even more than nine, nine years already, my, um, I'd say like different experiences in crypto, I've been through three cycles, so mm. bull and bear cycles. And I can tell you that every cycle, no matter what is the price of Bitcoin, like, or the other underlying assets, like crypto assets, people always were complaining. Mm-hmm. Like every time there was like a like a peak, I remember just like the last one, 2017-18, it peaked like 20,000 and then it went, went down to 3,000 in February. Like everybody, oh my God, it's dead again. Now. And it was dead already so many times that like at some point you're like, okay, well, it's not and it will not be dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would separate obviously NFT as a, as, as a conceptual creation from the the rest of the crypto. Because I think it's important to understand that the, the token structure uh, something as cryptocurrency as Bitcoin or Ethereum, they're very different from NFT. So NFT as a, as a term was, was, was coined like, and it was like pop, became popular in 2018, somewhere around. Mm-hmm. Not earlier than that, to be honest. Like, and it started like, you know, to go, and then only in this cycle, it became like really, really popular. When if you look at the Google trends, the word NFTs was like very, very like, common. Yes. Yeah. Before that, there's only a small group of people who actually talked about it. Mm-hmm. Inside the industry, yeah, we, we talked about it a lot. It was like something very common for like degens and like, you know, crypto geeks. But mm-hmm. outside of the industry, not so much. And only when big influencers, Paris Hilton and maybe like a few other big names, like started to massively promote projects. Mm-hmm. That's when we started to talk about it uh, as something that, okay, well, there is some kind of adoption. Okay, so what is your prediction? Like, when can we have hope again? I always have hope. I don't know. People who don't have hope, they probably should not invest. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, listen, investment is risk-reward. Always. Mm -hmm. If you don't understand the risk component, you should not invest, period. doesn't matter if it's a stock or if it's a bond or if it's an entity. Mm -hmm. Now, intrinsically, crypto is considered like an alternative asset class, so it's very risky. Mm -hmm. So that means you have to be even more cautious. And if you don't know what you're investing in, I would suggest to maybe, you know, take a step back and, and just learn about it. Spend a month with free information on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like we as a company generated like, you know, I don't know, like 200 videos already. Just from the videos of like how to create my Mat- like a MetaMask uh, wallet to videos like what is an NFT and what are the applications of NFT in multiple business life. Like mm-hmm. Metaverse, I don't know, sports clubs, et cetera, et cetera. So just read those things, you know, like, and then try to understand what are you investing in. And if you, after all this reading, you still believe in and you have hope, Mm -hmm. (laughs) then get into it. And understand that this is something like you invest, like whatever, $100, and then you forget about them. Okay. That's from the investor standpoint. Yes. From the business who is thinking about creating an NFT. Because I feel like as a business, it's really hard to have a business plan with something that is based on coins that might change their value in like 1,000% in a day. So it's always like these huge numbers that makes no sense. So how can you plan on it? Uh, well, there are, you know, there are like in, in, in anything in the world, you, there, there is an opportunity to predict and to anticipate risk. Mm-hmm. So we, for example, if somebody some big brands approached us and they asked us for help for consultancy. We explained them the nature of how 
the price discovery works in the NFT world. So obviously there's a floor price, which can start somewhere from like, I don't know, it's equivalent to hundred dollars right? mm-hmm. or whatever, zero, zero, two ETH, right? So, and then because as you mentioned, it's an ETH is a volatile cryptocurrency. So mm-hmm. the price can go up and down and they always put like, oh, I can be also, I can give you some fun examples like Justin Bieber, Actually, they make fun of him now because he lost. Oh, like, constantly! Burn. I see it everywhere. Like more than a yeah. million dollar buying from Board Ape. Like, I don't think it's a fair statement to be honest. Because again, he participated in a, in a certain uh, trends, and and you 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 cannot always win. So number one, you have to understand. So if you didn't sell the the crypto or any asset you have, like that means you didn't lose money. Mm-hmm. That means for this particular moment of time, it, the value of this asset is less than you bought it for. Well, guess what? It happens in stocks as well. Yeah. Many stocks underperform. A lot of them actually this year like didn't perform really well at all. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the portfolios are red. That means yeah. they're negative. But you're not losing money before you actually sell it. Yeah, but it's hard to compare actually uh, crypto to stocks because it, with stocks, everything is regulated. Everything is like very known and there are no questions about it. With crypto, I can, like you said, mint an NFT tomorrow morning and be like, okay, guys, this is my token. Starting now, if you want to invest in me, you can do that. So it's a different world. It is. And then again, so that's why you have to be even more cautious. You have to do even more due diligence. And um, No, I'm talking as the people that are like thinking about creating their own collection for their business. That's another reason. So for example, even to find people who are legitimate and they understand the the industry and still want to do good, it's, it's... it's not easy. And then for them to discover those partners and to understand and to issue a collection that will be legal and compliant with in the United States with a, a Security and Exchange Commission, it's a, it, it, that means you need to KYC every user. Mm-hmm. So you need to create a verification that is very common in banks, right? They take all your passport, like yeah. they take your picture, etc. So there's automated ways to do that. but. The, the funny part that people who are actually buying crypto, they're not very happy about it. So people who are like buying NFT, they're more of a, they're more of a narrative. They prefer like decentralized narrative, which means you can connect your wallet, you can buy it and, you know, that, and that's, that's your decision, how you spend your money. Well, I get that. But on the other hand, so many people take advantage of it that I don't know if I actually like, like this method or not. Because I, I enjoy the fact that I have privacy, but I don't enjoy the fact that someone can just hack into my wallet, take everything, and there's no way for me to track it because everything is anonymous. I, I understand this concern, and it's a legitimate concern, but uh, guess what? Uh, um, banks can go down and you, like, they, you know, this famous example is here, like, after, the, you know, the collapse of 2008 and so the nine Lehman Brothers and et cetera, Dodd-Frank, the Investor Protection Act. And they say like, oh, we'll have now FDIC insurance, which can cover 250K. What if you have more than 250K? You know what's going to happen? Nothing. Most likely, the, you, the bank will not return you anything. Mm-hmm. If the bank can go bankrupt, you have very similar issue if somebody will hack your wallet. Now, obviously, you have a certain insurance, that's true, and the government can go and print more money and bail out the bank, which goes on the shoulders of taxpayers. But <laughs> the bottom line is, yes, there, there is more risk in owning your own crypto wallet and your own keys, which mm-hmm. is, you know, encrypted, you know, keys. And, and it's not for everyone. I want to be very clear. I'm not promoting this for every single person. But at the same time, 
each person can have this can have an ability to decide how to transact because what we're not talking about like how the traditional banking system works they can freeze your accounts with no reason mm -hmm. for example you're you know you're coming from israel for some reason they suspect that you did something wrong freeze your account and all your assets and you know guess what you you will not be able to do anything you will try to sue the bank trust me they have the best lawyers you will never win and this is the crazy part that means people think oh well, well what do i trade like what, what is my trade off right I trade security, which is very important to understand. Like at, at sometimes it's like a very psychological security as opposed to my privacy. Now, sometimes this trade-off is reasonable. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not. So it's up to each person to decide what they want. I think somewhere the balance part when you still have a bank account, right? Which most of the people obviously in modern society they do have. And at the same time, you you try out. You create your wallet and see if it's even possible for you to navigate a crypto wallet. Start from there. Buy something very, very small and feel. Try to feel if it's like something that is close to your value system that is important to you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I get it. We need to finish soon. Uh, so I'll just ask you if you have any advice. Like what is your top advice for our listeners that are probably... Like these entrepreneurs that are considering different revenue stream, uh, what would be your top advice? My top advice is go and uh, and find something you really like from you know one of the recent collection. Just participate, just interact. Go to the Discord communities. Try to uh, talk to people. Try to learn about it. Try to mm -hmm. be flexible and try to learn this different like crazy world. You might be very critical about it but like just open your heart and mm -hmm. go explore i think this is where it starts before you actually test it and see that it's not just like a community of crazy geeks but it's also like a community of really smart innovative people before you actually feel this beautiful atmosphere which is like full of like acceptance and love you know like i think before that it would be really hard to explain anything to anyone that makes a really good sense just go explore yes I love it. Well, thank you so much, Konstantin. It was great. Um, I felt it was really enriching. And even though it's like hard questions, because I know it's, it's controversial. It's not for everybody. And that's okay. It's like, but it's important to put things the way they are and give people the opportunity to decide what's good for them. Exactly. I appreciate you having me here, Mita. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening or watching this episode. And I'll see you guys on the next episode. Bye, guys.